been fortunate through the years uh, to have some friends that are quite precious to me. I won't take time to start naming different people I'm so grateful for. I remember a cartoon years ago that uh, a guy was told in the first frame, he said, it's time to leave. You need to pack up your greatest treasures. In the next frame, it shows him he's got this big sack and he's stuffing people in the sack. And he said, what in the world are you doing? You said to get my most precious treasures and that's my friends as he was loading up the sack. Uh, relationships God gives us with people is a great blessing. But there's a warning in this verse as well. It, it tells us that he who walks with the wise grows wise. But there also, the second part of it, he says, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And we know according to the scriptures in Psalm 14, a fool is described as someone who says in his heart, there is no God. That's what a fool is. It's a person who has no recognition or awareness of God. God has no place in his life. It says when those are the people who are closest to us, there's a problem. I think of my uh, friend I talk about all the time, uh, Barry Johnson. He worked for 17 years with our high school football team uh, in my hometown as a coach there, one of the assistant coaches and he told me one time, he was talking to this kid. He stopped him and he said, Okay, I want, you to, I want your full undivided attention. The kid said, Yes, sir, coach. He said, Just remember, no matter what you face in life, nothing is more important than to make sure that you have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loves you, who will forgive your sins, and will make sure you go to heaven. You got it? I got it, coach. And he ran off. <laughs> got it. When we surround ourselves with people who get it, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But the people who don't get it, it becomes a dangerous. I read uh, this week about uh, two 20-year-old ladies who were going down the road and uh, about to run out of gas, so they stopped at the gas station. And the driver realized she didn't have enough cash, so she said, uh, you know, Asked her friend, how about if you just stay here and I'll go to the bank, get some money out, and I'll come back and, and pay. And she goes, okay, that's fine. Well, that was great, except um, after about an hour, they realized she wasn't coming back. And so she ended up having to call the police. And they ended up having to you know, charge her friend with fraud and go through the embarrassment. Some friend that left her stranded that ended up disappointing her. The, the way to have the least amount of regrets, we all have regrets, is to follow the Lord and not to not be associated. I'm not saying don't associate with people who don't love the Lord, know the Lord, because we're called to do that. But those who are closest to us, those who would have the greatest influence on our lives, those we go to for advice, those we go to for strength, I, I believe those who are closest to us need to be close to the Lord. Um, a great illustration of this in the scriptures is Lot. and So let, let's kind of march through a couple of chapters in Genesis here as we look at Lot and what happened to him. First, beginning at um, Genesis chapter 13. We pick up at verse 10. It says, 
Lot looked up and he saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents. Lot lived near the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. He pitched his tent near Sodom. He saw this beautiful place that was attractive, that caught his attention, that he he, he wanted to enjoy. That that, that he said, "Man, that that just looks all comfy, you know. That, that's so attractive. That, that, that catches my attention. There's something about it I want to experience." You know, it gives me that ah factor. <laughs> you know, it, it, so it says that he pitched his tent near Sodom. It makes me think of Psalm twenty three seventeen. Um, that tells us, matter of fact, let me look that up. I had one of those famous brain drains. I get to see if I gave you the right address anyway. Proverbs twenty three seventeen. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Well, I had a good address even if I had the bad letter. (laughs) Do not let your heart envy sinners. And that can happen to us. We think, well, man, if I could just enjoy some of that, my life would be so much better. No, sin, as I've shared so many times, the reason sin's so bad, guys, is sin separates. Separates us in our relationships. Separates us from our God. Separates us from our health. Separates us from the blessings He wants us to have. The reason God hates sin is because it separates us. And if we continue in our sins, it'll separate us from God for all of eternity. A place called hell. Where we're separated from Him. Sin separates. So He pitched His tents near Sodom. Now, let's go on here. Um, chapter 14. I want you to notice in verse... 12, is there's a description where Abram went to rescue his nephew Lot because he ended up being captured and uh, taken captive by some enemies. And verse 12, it says, They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So at first, he was camping near Sodom. He was close by, and he thought, Ooh, ah, if I could just enjoy a little of this. And the next thing you know, he's living there in the city. He's moved in closer, not even realizing in doing so, he, he finds himself moving away from his close walk with God. And then, turn with me to Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, we read, The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. Now, the gateway of the city was the place where the community leaders of the city often gathered. It, it, it was a place for the people to come by and, and to see the leaders of the community to, to find support and to find answers. 
So I, I want you just to notice where he's moved from. He, he, he's moved from being with his godly uncle Abram, as we know as Abraham, and he ends up moving near Sodom. <laughs> then we find him living in Sodom. And now we find that he is a leader in the city as he has continued to move in a specific direction. Um, turn me to Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7. I'll start at verse 6. It says, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. So he was in a city living a life that was godly, but he found himself surrounded in this lawless place. And as a result of that, um, God's judgment came, as we read on in the Scriptures. They ended up having to run for their very lives. His wife looked back, became a pillar of salt, because she looked back and disobeyed the angels of the Lord. Um, his daughters ended up not getting married, uh, as their husbands-to-be ended up burning in the fire. And... It, the story just gets crazier as we read in the scriptures and then we discover that he ends up um, in a relationship with his daughters for children to be born. All this happened because of being in a crazy place where he chose to go and it caused all kinds of problems, not only for him, but within his family. And, 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 and so the next point, there is value and there is importance in realizing that our relationships to which we're closest are relationships that are close to the Lord. So this next one, equally yoked, command to guard your heart. We're going to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. He says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common what fellowship can light have with darkness what harmony is there between christ and belial what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever and the word of fellowship as someone has said is a picture of two fellows on a ship and if two fellows are in a ship they're headed the same direction because they're in the same ship. And so the picture here is, which way is your ship headed? <laughs> is it headed toward the Lord? Which direction is it going? And the concern here is, it is possible to be in the Lord, but not walk with the Lord. And, and so... That's why relationships that are closest should be close to the Lord. So that, guys, 
we're in the ship headed the right direction. Uh, turn me to Galatians chapter 5. You know, so often as we think about this scripture, of course, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But it also speaks of the fruit of the flesh. And so, in Galatians 5, we, we read of it. Uh, starting at verse 19, it says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. This is what marks the life of the one who is a fool, the one who lives as if God doesn't exist, the one who lives as if God does not matter. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is wild, drunken living, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's he saying here? He's saying, be careful. Be careful about the influences that are in your life. It's not talking about people who maybe slip up. It's talking about, this is what marks your life. Which list marks your life? Is it those traits I just read? Or is it the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Which, which is the course of your life? Which direction are you headed on a continual basis? Which way are you moving? That is the importance. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools who live as if God doesn't matter suffers. Here's another proverb, Proverbs twenty two, twenty four. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. You may find yourself in the same predicament. It says in Proverbs 5, the evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him, the cords of his sin holding fast. And you may find yourself trapped where you never dreamed you would be before. And the way we get there is not immediate, tend to just erode or, or drift away until we find ourselves where we never dreamed we would have ended up. Which happens as we slip away from a close relationship with the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three, Do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. And so not only should we not hang around the bad company, we need to examine our lives to see if I am the bad company. <laughs> so, next point. Make friends by being a friend of Jesus. Look at Proverbs twelve twenty six. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, I spent a lot of time in this message talk about, you know, keep your closest friends, make sure they're close to the Lord, the value in that, the importance in that. But as you look at Jesus, I don't want to go so far as to say those should be the only people you hang out with. 
because that is not the example Jesus gave. Jesus hung around some people who did not walk close with God, people who had some really big issues and some really big problems. But he also had 12 of his disciples, and then he had three within those 12 that were the closest, who were close to God that he ran to. These other people, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, the down and outers in life, um, those people who find themselves in all kinds of trouble because they're headed in the boat the wrong direction. But as you notice the relationship Jesus had with those people, how did he treat them? He loved them. He loved them, but he didn't coddle them. And there's a difference. Sometimes love requires being tough. And we certainly don't hear that in this culture. If you start to get tough, you know what you'll hear? Don't judge me. Stop judging me. Turn me to John chapter 5. I'll give you an example of this with Jesus. We read about in John chapter 5 that at the sheep gate there was a pool, the pool of Bethsaida. And it said that there was a number of disabled people that would come there and they would long to have angels come and to bring healing. And it says there was an invalid there who had been an invalid for 38 years, we read in verse 5. When Jesus saw him, he said, do you want to get well? (laughs) He said, I sure do. He said, if someone would help me, but they keep getting in line ahead of me. Jesus said, verse 8, get up, pick up your mat and walk it. Once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. Then drop down to verse 11, or verse 10. Well, I'll start verse 9. It says, he picked up his mat, he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, (laughs) The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Just love me and I'll continue to give you plenty of food and plenty of money and pay all your bills and make sure you have a long, happy, secure life full of blessings. Now, that's not what he said. (laughs) I was hoping somebody would catch me. (laughs) Bible scholars on top of it. Good job. (laughs) No, he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Jesus gave him not what he wanted to hear, but what he needed to hear. And that's a sign of a friend who will at times tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And and I love it as you look at the section of Scripture. (laughs) The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Made an impact upon his life. Uh, We're called not to clean people up, not to fix them, but we're called to love them. 
Jesus uh, tells us uh, in his word, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Our lives are to be full of love. But we don't fix people. I might convince you, but only God can convict you. And there's a big difference there. We don't want to try to be like the Pharisees and, and try to fix everybody and control them and tell them what they have to do and all this kind of stuff. That is not the point. The point is that we're to love Jesus and in the process love people. Sometimes that may mean saying some harsh stuff to them because it's the truth. But it's not so much to make them like us and to fix them. It's to show them Jesus and the truth because they need to hear the truth. And then that leads me to the last one here. Um, love others from the conviction that God loves you. If you want a friend, be a friend. So how do you be a friend? Well, first thing you need to do is realize Jesus loves you. Now, you know, we've got to get this settled. As I tried to talk about this morning, Jesus displayed perfect unselfishness by the incarnation, being found in human likeness. What did he do? He went to the cross to death on the cross, and, and, and thus loved us with a perfect love. He loves you so much, I love the quote by Max Lucado, he loves you so much that he would rather die for you than live without you. That's what the cross was about. He died for you so you could live with him. And we've got to get that nailed down before we talk about loving other people. We need to understand that we are loved with an everlasting love. And then that frees us to love other people when we realize how deeply that we're loved. Um, Milton Cunningham was a missionary to Africa. And in one of his books, he wrote about being on an airplane and the little girl beside him had Down syndrome. And he enjoyed a simple conversation with her. And after a couple of minutes, she said, Sir? She said, Did you take a bath this morning? Uh, yeah, I did. Did you brush your teeth this morning? Yeah. Did. She said, then she went on and she said, Mister, do you smoke? He said, No, I don't smoke. And then she said, Mister, do you love Jesus? He said, Yeah, I do. And then she elbowed him. And then she reached across the aisle and touched the guy across the aisle. He goes, Oh, no, I know where this is going. And she said, Ask him. Ask him. So he says, okay. He says, mister, did you take a shower or bath this morning? And he saw the girl. And kind of said, oh, yeah, I did. Mister, did you brush your teeth this morning? Yeah, I did. Mister, do you smoke? No, 
And then she's kind of on again. He goes, okay. He's thinking, I don't want to offend this guy. I don't know this guy. I haven't even had a conversation with him at all. And he says, but I am a missionary to Africa, so I better do this. So, so he says, do you love Jesus? And he got quiet for a few moments, and he said, you know, I've, I've really been trying to figure out who God is and what life's about. And he said, I don't really understand who Jesus even is, so I can't really tell you how I feel about him. So he took an opportunity there to share with him about Jesus, the gospel. We make it so hard, don't we? Sometimes in just a genuine way of showing people that we care, God opens up an opportunity to let them know He cares and be able to share with them that there is forgiveness that is available. That in order to be a friend, we need to let people know about the best friend of all. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And we know who he is. Let's pray. Lord, oh, Father, we are a weak bunch. And uh, I'm grateful that you are a strong, loving, patient God. So easy for us to steer out of control. I think of your word in Galatians 6 1 that says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you may be tempted. So easy for us to be tempted, Lord. Thank you for loving us in spite of us, for dying for us when we were in our sin. How wonderful. And Father, as we think about our relationships with people, Father, may people see that we love you. And may that lead them to see that you love them. And Father, may you remind us that although we need to have friends with as many people as we can, that those closest to us should be close to you. Because we are weak. I just pray you work in our hearts, God. Keep us clean. Keep us close. Keep us committed. Father, just convict us of where you want us to be, Father, because we're going to get it wrong every time unless you lead us by the hand. Your word says, um, how, how can a man understand his own way? And so often we don't. So help us, Lord. Father, we want to learn to... Be wise, and your word says that that happens when we walk with the wise. But when we choose to walk with those who live as if you don't matter or you don't exist, that we're going to get hurt. So, Father, may we take your word to heart. Just do a work in us, Lord. I don't know what you want to do through this message, but I just pray we're open to whatever that may be. Because, quite honestly, I doesn't matter ultimately what I think. What matters is what the Spirit of God thinks and wants to do. So have your way in us, Lord. We love you and we need you. In Christ's name we pray.